Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 30th, 2014. I hope you're all doing well as we go through, uh, or at least go into this amazing winter, which is uh, quite uh, interesting, isn't it? As the temperatures go up and then we back down to freezing, all in the same day, back and forth, back and forth. But again, geoengineering is a perfect art today. And you're not supposed to know that they're even doing geoengineering. They keep having meetings, many meetings every year, uh, world meetings with all these scientists that are supposedly just talking about if they ever start doing it. And it's such an awful joke since we've watched them doing it with their own eyes since about 1998, like continuously that is. So we're living through amazing fiction today, isn't it? We live in a reality which is no reality at all because everything is so politically correct in so many areas you can't say truth about anything, even simple observations and personal experiences of your own life. It's, you can't, you're not allowed to say anything. You simply aren't allowed. Because you see, today you really belong to different groups to get any voice at all, and and even then, it's only selected groups that have uh, that are given the authorized voice. Other ones are condemned, etc., etc. But it's such an amazing time to be alive because never in history has there been a time really when when you simply can't talk uh, about anything pretty well. Because logic isn't uh, approved of anymore. Uh, we're, we're living in a fake reality promoted from the very, very top, a form of insanity, actually, and is an insanity. And uh, everything that George Orwell talked about in his book 1984 is already here. It's completely here and implemented and really rushing through. Uh, Tonight, for instance, I'll be talking a little bit about um, Gerfeck in Scotland, uh, United Nations agenda, of course. There are different names for different countries, so you don't catch on. It's all the same thing. And the rights of the child... So it's a children's, it's a children's rights, for instance, to have uh, appointed guardians by the state. Now, they're still churning out books, authorized books about the world wars and uh, not so much about communism anymore because they're the good guys now. It's all been changed. And, uh, but the same techniques were used in communism, Soviet system, where, where everyone was monitored at school and, and the families were monitored to make sure the children had the right indoctrinations uh, and came out with the right political correct um, views on everything. In other words, the views that the state wanted them to have. The early Nazi movement had the same uh, system, too, implemented in the schools. And here they have the, the, same, the exact same system uh, that tyrants have had uh, implemented where the state will, will make sure that you're adjusted as you grow up constantly adjusted and tweaked to make sure you have all the right uh, approved viewpoints on everything. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Authorized insanity, approved by the state to suit the state. But after all, you see, once you toss God out the window, and that was always always the idea, uh, then the state becomes God, supreme. And you can't argue with God, especially when it's it's so high and mighty. It owns a massive military. It owns internal militaries of different police services, etc., and agencies uh, and social work departments, all with this backing of legalism, which simply is the authorized agenda of the state. That's what legality is. And they can change legalism anytime they want, which they frequently do to suit themselves. But that's what we're taught as normal, you see. And there's nothing you can hold on to uh, as we go through this roller coaster of manufactured uh, reality uh, that you have to accept or hear awfully. You might be not just disapproved of, you might not get a job. It's quite amazing, isn't it? And so all the tyrants in history are, are, are uh, they're copying the good bits, the good bits of how to indoctrinate whole populations. And, um, and it's been done and approved of by the big world state, of course, because that was always the agenda. Now, even in the big world state, they try to come out and say, and they've done this all, all along, that there's no differences between different cultures. And it's utter tripe and rubbish. Even the guys that used to promote it big time and said they would destroy existing cultures in the West, like the Frankfurt School, Theodorno and different ones, admitted that there's massive differences between the cultures, but they would promote it regardless, that there's no difference at all. And, and so lies become approved of and become legitimate as far as the authorities go. And you're taught lies because um, you simply cannot... Look at the histories of people 
and their cultures and even the climates they lived in, uh, which are vastly different, and the situations if they were crammed together in different groups or tribes or whatever, or vastly spaced out, as they were in some countries, it, it shapes everything in the culture. So you can't just force cultures to change just like that because you want it to be so, and yet they're trying to. It's just like I've mentioned before in a, in a talk, not quite recently in fact, uh, about um, the Fabian Society and the founders of the Fabian Society uh, actually made a, a stained glass window for the building they used. And um, in the stained glass window, you see the, the, the co-founders, H.G. Wells and, and George Bernard Shaw, who were the front men, really, uh, for this big organization. And uh, they're, they're, they're bashing the world with a, on an anvil, a blacksmith's anvil. They're bashing it into the proper shape with these big hammers. Because, in other words, they really believed with this early psychology that uh, they could really reshape all human nature by conditioning, 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 all the, the days from Pavlov onwards, and actually before Pavlov. And out of that also came the same theory that little girls only uh, become little girls and grow up to have children and so on. And like boys, because they were trained to do so, so they've done a a big mind job on that to change all that as well. It's just amazing because they see human potential uh, basically as something that they can instill in them. Everything, behavior, the whole lot. And unfortunately, a lot of the, the, the indoctrinated behavior uh, does work it actually does work it's quite fascinating to, to watch it all because people do have a herd mentality they want to belong to some group or whatever and they'll adopt all the authorized uh, behaviors of that group and they'll submerge their, their own personality in the process unfortunately now the west was a, were, were the only countries in the west that really uh, the, the promoted this idea of individualism and it was a brief spell of individualism. Before that, it was all groupthink. You had religious wars. You had all these different things on the go. And kings' wars and kings fighting cousins across the seas and things like that. And again, people generally fought. At least they thought they were fighting or they were told they were fighting to save their culture and their way of life. And now that their cultures are eradicated because the agenda is a global society based on a form of free trade, which is simply monopoly trade of big cartels are working together in big clubs to, to make sure that nobody else can get into the big club and trade. So they've got the, the markets to themselves. But in the process, too, they have to destroy the existing cultures en route to creating this new system of the perfect indulgent society with uh, default positions where, you, where they'll simply blush if you mention something that's in vogue at the moment to change and you mention the topic and they'll simply blush and then set themselves back to default, they're very uncomfortable. It works awfully well, awfully well, conditioned response. But the big joke as well to me is that all those who are opposing it fall into the same traps of, of trying to get to go back somewhere, back into some fictional age where things were just happy. Now, some of it may be true, there was less problems and less crime and and strife and so on in certain groups, but the fact is, it's not that way today, and you can't go backwards when you have all the problems existing today. You can't do that, unless you have a time machine, and most folk can't afford one these days with inflation. But anyway, that's the kind of system you're taught is normal. And, of course, there's there's nothing normal about it, because the masters of the world... And the big, big cartels that run the world at the top have planned a long time ago how to bring in this new system for themselves to continue to dominate and their offspring to dominate at the top and what to do in the process of destroying all that was to bring in all that will be. That's the term that they used to use, you see. Still do at the top. And that means a completely remanufactured society with remanufactured groups uh, all forced to co-inhabit, uh, cohabit together in the same areas or little countries or even little regions uh, by law and force and punishment, simple Pavlovian punishment reward kind of idea. So in the meantime, you go through this massive chaos and they say, well, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. 
That's what Rockefeller's favorite expression used to be. And they, so in other words, what you're going through today is simply necessary to, to get the omelette at the end. I wonder who's going to eat it, though. It won't be you. In fact, you are the omelette. Imagine that. And speaking of omelettes, I mean, can you imagine how many omelettes are being destroyed and tossed out because they're burned and all the rest of it? Because these guys really are just making it up as they go along, this whole society. And that's what they do. And so they're not just throwing away the eggshells. They're often throwing away the omelettes and getting new ones. There's a lot of business in hens, you know, and chickens. A lot of business. But here we are going through this manufactured reality. We're supposed to take awfully seriously. And unfortunately, a lot of folk do. Uh, especially those in authority, they take it very, very seriously indeed. And as they go on with their indoctrination, their own indoctrinations, all those in authority, they have less of a sense of humor. It simply vanishes from them. They can't smile about anything. And they get awfully offended and upset if you point out basic facts, like there's gravity and things like that. Just like O'Brien in 1984, he says, if I I can fly, if I say I can fly, Winston, then I can fly. And and you'll believe it. And we're supposed to all believe you can fly, you see. And that's where we are today, watching sacks of omelets getting chucked out after they've been burned and destroyed, you see. Yep, they're pummeling the whole world into its proper shape where you can condition anybody into anything at all. How boring a place that'll be, eh? When there's no really, no real points of view that, that differ from each other. I mean, isn't that what makes life exciting? When I was wee, I used to like to visit old people because they had amazing stories. Because there were far more individuals in those days. They hadn't been through all the same indoctrination school systems and... Uh, they thought for themselves. They also went by their own life experiences. Everybody, all of them knew that politicians were just idiots and psychopaths and, and out for themselves. They all knew that. They were called liars, quite openly. And you can't really embarrass a psychopath. They smile when you call them a liar. And uh, in fact, they might give you a brownie point because, you know, you've actually seen through them. Most folk don't. But folk keep on voting. And they never get, never get what they're promised, you see. Never get their promise. It's all promises, isn't it? Pie in the sky stuff. And um, but they also knew a good part of the history of the world. A lot more self-educated, who read books galore, and before they were so completely censored as they are today. And they had a good idea on on human behaviour and different groups and different nations and all the rest of it, and the power elites that ran and benefited from dominating whole nations and continents, etc. They understood things, and they weren't afraid to voice a basic opinion on things. Imagine living, as we do today, in an age where you're, you're kind of scared and hesitant about voicing something which is factual, and, and you've got a query to get off your mind, and you want to ask a question, and now you might hesitate because you could be afraid. You might, be, you might get stoned to death for just, just putting the question out there. The end of inquiry, except authorized inquiry with authorized answers. That's no life at all. That's not what being human is. See, they don't want you to be human. Being human means you're harder to manage and fleece. It's harder to get people all to work at the same pace, at the same rate. That's what you create robots for, for instance. But the elite want that. They want a dumbed-down population that can go into repetitive tasks, awfully boring, and be happy with entertainment and things like that, and then go back to the same repetitive, boring tasks. And life. Life consists of more than all of that. And when you try to stifle thought, that's what everything is. The body will eventually age and decay and all the rest of it, but your mind can go on for an awful long time. And when you accumulate so much wisdom, or at least you should, the people used to accumulate so much wisdom over their whole lives, uh, and all that information stored up in their mind, they could literally spend days or weeks or even years going through it all and going higher into understanding. That's forbidden today. Forbidden. That's why you have old folk now going into old age homes, and all they can talk about is what the teenagers talk about. The music, the popular music, the popular movies, the popular TV shows. That's all that can leave you. It's nothing that, that, that someone who, who's 15 year old uh, doesn't know already. Because they'll watch the same stuff. Why do they watch it? Because they make it popular. How do they make it popular? They use the star syndrome on it. 
and you follow the stars. Very simple. You watch a lot of stuff, it's awful. And that's all indoctrinating you too. But you think it's entertainment. Hmm. It's amazing how much entertainment today has bathroom humor in it. It's stuff that boys would leave behind when they reach about eight or nine years old uh, at school. And you wouldn't laugh at them anymore because they simply weren't funny. And yet this is adult entertainment today. Bathroom humor. And why do you laugh? It's because you've been trained to laugh. You don't know that, do you? There's a whole, everything in life to do with entertainment is a formula from music to to movies. They're all formula movies. Uh, down to even your jokes. They're all, they're all created by formula. And in Hollywood, they think things called like a joke. Because there's a certain formula you follow, and the people follow you along thinking it's a joke. And when it comes to what should be the punchline, you'll laugh automatically because you've been conditioned to do so, even though you don't get it or there's no punchline as such at all. But it works. And you'll see it all through popular comedy today. You have no idea of the, 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 the sciences that rule your mind. You have none at all. And that's awfully sad. Awfully sad. Your birthright's been stolen from you to think for yourself and to have your own opinions. Now, just before I go into Girfek, this uh, indoctrination for all youngsters individually by their appointed guardian from the state, I want to just touch on something else too, because as I say in the media and the news, there's nothing really, really real as it's presented to you. There's almost an awful lot more, which is generally omitted. Mind you, even when they get wars going and all that, they always give you the basic propaganda that's been dreamed up by think tanks on what to tell the public to get them all geared up towards it. And then years later, they'll tell you, um, well, yeah, Iraq really had nothing to do with 9-11 uh, and, and so on. Because by that, you don't care. And they've achieved their objective. They took over Iraq, they took over their oil, they took over everything. You see? And that's how it works. It doesn't matter if, if it's exposed afterwards. Now, here's this article that came out from the, the UK, the Independent. It says, New claims suggest that omissions in what members of Parliament were told of plan to recruit young extremists as double agents. It's another omelette tossed out the window, you see. And it says, The investigation into Britain's security services and whether they could have prevented the murder of Fusilier Lee Rigby, that's the guy that was killed uh, on television and beheaded by uh, supposedly an extremist Muslim last year, it says here, um, was called into question last night. This is 30th November uh, 2014. The 190-page parliamentary report into the role of the intelligence services was dramatically undermined as it emerged that members of parliament may have been told the full details of how MI6 tried to recruit one of Rigby's killers as a double agent. So who was the guy working for? But since last week, the Intelligence and Security Committee uh, it says, cleared the security services of blame after suggestions that they could have prevented the killing of the soldier in Woolwich last year. However, security sources close to an operation tracking one of Rigby's killers when he travelled to East Africa in 2010 have cast doubt on the validity of the ISC findings. The revelations also raise serious questions about the accountability of Britain's security services to Parliament at a time when they, with government support, are seeking greater powers to combat the threat from Islamic terror groups. Says Michael Adebaloja, or Lajo, says, together with Michael Adebowali, murdered Rugby 25 in a brutal attack outside Woolwich Barracks, that's the Army Barracks, southeast London, in May 2013. Members of Parliament on the ISC, the parliamentary watchdog of the secret intelligence services, were told that Adebo Lajo had been known to them since 2006 after meeting radical Muslim figures and attending extremist meetings. They claimed interest in him waned until they were told he'd been arrested in Kenya while trying to get Somalia to join Al-Shabaab, an Al-Qaeda-linked terror group. I guess that's where the US was running it. However, an investigation by the Independent on Sunday shows that contrary to what MPs were told, there's evidence that MI6 planned a complex operation to track him to Kenya and then turn him in an effort to create a double agent to infiltrate extremist groups in Britain.
And there you go. It's a failed omelette just tossed out the window and some guy lost his head. And it says, um, a Kenyan source close to the security services confirmed that anti-terror police in Nairobi were tipped off by British security service that Adebolojo Bolojo was traveling to the country following uh, his arrival in Nairobi. It's understood MI6 worked with Kenyan counter-terrorism police to arrest him in a snatch operation, which was carried out with the help of British special forces operating in Kenya. It's a pea soup, isn't it, and mix of all different agencies here. Here's, here's, here's basically special forces and special air service and so on, uh, and MI6 and operating with the Kenyan uh, secret police and so on. Uh, this is the world we live in, folks. And it says, Adebolaja was taken from Lamu Island, where he was arrested to Mombasa and subjected to Kenyan police interrogation before an elite specialist anti-terror police unit with links to MI6 questioned him uh, uh, hours later. After these interrogations, it says it's not clear which. It says he complained that he'd been tortured. Amongst those he complained uh, to were British agents who visited him in jail and offered to help him get out of prison and back to Britain, where it was hoped he'd become an MI5 asset. Sharpening knives or something, I don't know. He had been arrested on an unclear charge the ISC found, and the Kenyan police uh, failed to find evidence to charge him with a terrorist offence. He returned to Britain, evidently of his own volition. However, back in London, he refused to cooperate and just complained about being harassed. Well, somebody must have paid for his flight back and everything else. The British taxpayer, no doubt. Said an awful lot of people were mortified when Rigby was killed, said a well-placed security source. The plan to recruit this man to work for our side was based on the hope he was so grateful to get out of Kenyan custody he would be easy to turn, which is persuaded to switch sides. We didn't know what exactly would happen to him when he was interrogated in Kenya, and of course we can't be seen to condone anything other than uh, the highest standards. On the other hand, it's always useful to have the intelligence that results from that sort of questioning. So it's unclear why the role of MI6 in attempting to recruit uh, Ade Bolajo and the involvement of the Special Air Service, which was first reported last year, were not explored in the ISC report leading to questions over the watchdog's ability to scrutinise the secretive work of security services. Committee Chairman Sir Malcolm Rifkind was unavailable for comment last night. I love this thing, transparency in government. Eh? They're always prattling on about it. So you never, you'll never see it in, in a thousand million lifetimes. It's never been here. <laughs> it will never be here. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that happens, folks. And this will go nowhere, of course, because they never go anywhere with this kind of stuff. I mean, folk forget it all again until somebody else that likes to sharpen knives uh, wants a spot on television or on reality TV or something. So this is the world in which you live, and nothing you can see on the news can be taken for granted. It's certainly never the way it's presented to the general public. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever. Nothing. I mean nothing, folks. Nothing. Everything was through uh, the Department of Public Information in every country now for news. Reuters works with them, you know, newscasters to the world. They make the news for the world, sometimes literally, quite often in fact. And uh, this is supposed to be your reality, and this is what they, they want the general public to read. The ones that bother to read anything at all, it is, today. But there's nothing you can take for granted. There's nothing uh, happened in a hundred odd years that's actually real. At least the way it's presented as history. Nothing at all. Nothing. Zilch. And long before that, too. But that's the world in which we're living today. And here's another little article, too. Government uses 225-year-old law to force companies to unlock phones. I guess they were using the tin cans and strings way back then, eh? But it says here, is it, so what I'm saying too, there's, there's no such thing as a right, do you see? If they want you, they'll get you. And I've seen so many folk following the, the legalisms and trying to become kind of armchair lawyers and, and beat the system. But believe you me, <laughs> it's all worked out way, way ahead. They're all way ahead of you. If they want something, they simply do it. I should laugh at a lot of, of people in the US who are almost on the Constitution 
And the Constitution has been ignored since about the day it was basically published because uh, big companies, big corporations and governments are constant. All they do is pull in more lawyers to reinterpret it. Well, yes, it says that, but what's the meaning of this word? You know, and, and they go and reinterpret the words and so on until they get what they want. That's how it's always done with treaties and, and charters and everything else. The powerful always get what they want. But it says, um, revelations about how governments swallow up huge amounts of data. It's from RT. It says, have led to consumers and companies embracing encryption like never before. But the feds have, may have found a hidden weapon within a centuries-old law now being used in court. The last month, a federal magistrate in New York approved a request by United States attorneys and compelled an unnamed cell phone maker to unlock a mobile device that had been seized by authorities pursuant to an investigation. And ordering the company to do as much, though the judge agreed with an an argument made weeks earlier by the U.S. government in which its lawyers said All Writs Act. It's called the All Writs Act. A law first put in the books 225 years ago in 1789 should be evoked. Now, the All Writs Act, quite interesting, isn't it? I'm sure you're all yawning away, but that's, that's just how, this is the cons that are pulled. 1789. U.S. attorneys told the court on October 10th, filing that they'd seized a mobile phone, etc., etc., while investigating an alleged credit card fraud, and despite obtaining a search warrant, had been unable to bypass the phone's password protection. With the data otherwise inaccessible, federal prosecutors said the court could order the manufacturer to provide reasonable technical assistance in unlocking the device by relying on the All Writs Act. That legislation, Judge uh, Gabriel Gornstein for the Southern District of New York acknowledged in his October 31st response provides that federal courts may assume all rights necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdictions and agreeable to the usages and principles of law. <laughs> Law's awfully elastic, isn't it? It depends who's pushing it. Despite the sheer antiquity of that, however, Gornstein did not object to the government's and attorney's interpretation of the law and ordered the cell and phone manufacturer to comply, again getting back to reinterpreting the meanings and so on. Citing a Supreme Court case from 1977 in which the New York Telephone Company was compelled under the All Writs Act to help authorities install a pen register device to log call data. In the latest case, the magistrate used uh, the only caveat was that the, the cell phone company could argue within five business days that doing so would be unreasonably burdensome. So, uh, they always get what they want, folks. Believe you me. I should be quite fascinated by, by uh, how certain folk could all go to, to court on the same charges in different courts and so on in the same countries. And some would get put in prison, others would get let go. And you see, for every law in the books, depending on who you are, if they want you inside, just simply say, oh, this one, uh, 15 years ago, the man was put in prison, and this one, you know, 150 years ago, was let go free. It depends if, they, if they've already decided in advance to let you go free or not. It depends who you are. That, that's really how it runs. It's all to do who you are. So there's, there's two decisions for every case, you see. And that's how things go. Now, <laughs> it's quite interesting too, with all, again, the wonderful utopias, we're all getting pushed, we've all had utopias pushing us for an awfully early time, awfully early time, uh, a long time ago, thousands of years ago at the times. Uh, and there was, even religions are always pushing utopias where their deities are going to create a utopia for you, etc., etc., and they always regurgitate the stuff when, when crises occur, there'll be a utopia after this crisis, and things like that. Just suffer right now, and it's going to be awfully nice in the future. Uh, and it's been tried over and over and over again by those at the top who are awfully good uh, in understanding Machiavelli. Because uh, human beings, unfortunately, fall for these, this, these, this, uh, the, these happy stories of a future promised childhood, basically. Another childhood. Now, the whole idea was socialism, and I used to be amazed and I had to get into this when I was very young to find out why. Socialism never complained about the borrowing of money by governments from the big private lenders and adding to debt. It was always for a future good. I always thought, how can you give a future good when 
as generations go on, you're owing more and more money individually in that generation to pay off previous generations' debts and compound interest involved. It's a big racket made by the money boys, the whole idea of socialism. For those who have never fathomed it out, they live on this compound interest. Incredible returns they get on something. Even if you borrow on your credit card a few thousand bucks and pay the minimum every so often, uh, it can take up to 40, 40 years to pay it all off. They've made many, many times over with compound interest and you paying the minimum over what they ever let you in the first place. It's the same with governments and the big boys at the top who run the world but through money understand this awfully well. And those in governments know it too. That's why they pick certain folk to, to be the go-betweens between the banks you know, and uh, uh, for borrowing, etc. They're in on it too. They're given fancy titles. Uh, these... Uh, Government reps, basically, uh, and and you think they're all there to look after you. There's nothing further from the truth, because the, again, the chicken comes home to roost eventually, and um, you already pay up eventually, or you already crash. And even those at the top, they don't need money at the top. They they own it all. They own the planet, for goodness' sake. They own your future, everything, and your productivity if you have any at all. They have everything. Money to them is just a, a, a type of getting power, more power over you, that's all. And uh, it says here, here's socialism in France. France is awfully socialistic. It says the land of 400 cheeses, the birthplace of Molière and Coco Channel, I don't know what that is, is facing an unprecedented exodus. Up to two and a half million French people now live abroad and more are bidding au revoir each year. A French parliamentary commission of inquiries due to publish this report on emigration Tuesday. But Le Figaro reported yesterday that because of a political dispute amongst its members over the reasons for the exodus, like they can't figure it out, as what a joke they know darn well was causing it, a counter-report by the opposition right wing is to be released as an annex. And it says, um, centre-right deputies are convinced that the people who are the lifeblood of France are leaving because of the impression that it's impossible to succeed. It's because of the tax rate. It's incredible. They've been publishing articles the last two or three years on the taxes, and, and, and those who with any money at all are, are getting out of the country. There's no getting out of the hole. There's simply no, no getting out of it, folks. And it says here that uh, we're as certain as a steady rise in the number of immigrants across all sections of society from young people looking for jobs to entrepreneurs to pensioners. And they always publish the same stuff. I've noticed for, for my whole life long. The world's top 10 most desirable cities to work in. According to, according to a French foreign ministry report published at the end of last month, the top five designations are the UK. Have you seen the UK? It's one heck of a mess. And then Switzerland's number two, the US, Belgium and Germany. The French consulate in London has estimated up to 400,000 French nationals live in the capital. That's London. A number equal to the population of France's sixth largest city. The foreign ministry recorded 1.6 million expatriates at the end of last year. But that figure only includes people who had registered at French consulates abroad. So the real figure is twice as high, says Hélène Chavira, the delegate general of the Union of French Citizens Abroad. So... That's socialism. That's where you end up. And now eventually they're going to stop you moving out altogether. Because governments really now are, are, oh, they're going through everything to comb and rake in and get more money in taxes and so on and so on. We all work for the government and the government is owned by the banks. I'm not kidding you. The old law stands, it's thousands of years old, that those who borrow are in service or a slave, same thing, to the person who lends. There's nothing changed here. Nothing changed. And folk think the transition of governments at one time, they were self-sufficient with taxes and import duties. That paid for most of the money they needed to run the country. Until those at the very top, the big financial wars at the top, all moved in with their old, old, very old systems of conning you and took it all over. And now governments regularly borrow from outside, even with the massive tax base they have with the countries, with people within, not that they borrow more money. 
To what? Balance the budget. What does that mean? It means they can just make the payment on the interest of what they owe. We think that's normal. (laughs) Ha ha. That's a great con, that one, eh? And the socialists keep pushing for more and more borrowing. Yeah, apparently it's good to borrow money. The future generations must pay off. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson said it, that why should a, a people, a generation, get born into a system? And when they do get born into a system where, they, where they've got to pay off existing debts from previous generations borrowing, they are de facto slaves. Nothing's changed. Except it's dressed up in farcical things called economics as science. Ooh, what amazing science we all plummet down in the hole, eh? And you can't get out again. It's a con. Money is a con, mind you. Unfortunately, I think it would always be a con. I don't care where government makes its own, prints its own, or whatever else. Uh, the sharks and psychopaths always get in to those areas with their little cartels and manage amongst themselves to split the loot and the profits so that they can live well off all the rest of you. That's what life is. And I've mentioned many times that Charles Galton Darwin in the 1950s wrote his book, The Next Million Years. He was an utter elitist. And he said that, he says there's always been slavery in one form or another. And we are in the process now of creating a new, more sophisticated form of slavery. That's what you're in, folks. And you're all trained that it's normal and it's all, and that you're free. You're in it. You're in it, folks. You didn't get a say in it. You, you inherit the debt from a previous generation and a previous and previous and previous and previous generation. And you're a slave. Yeah, you get little goodies, little plastic junk from China that lasts a, a month or two and is bust. And you think you're free because you can go and buy that stuff. Overpriced junk. Because everything today is maximizing the profit, make it as cheaply as possible, charge as much as possible, and convince the public to buy it. And it works awfully well on the public. Yep. But France, as I say, is um, only one country uh, that's socialist and... I remember actually playing a little bit and putting links up on a good video called Oh Canada, which went through the history of the Canada's money system. And uh, this young young fellow who did the, the video got to talk to Paul Martin, the, pre- the Premier of Canada at the time, and different politicians. Most of the politicians hadn't a clue how money worked. Honestly, utterly ignorant. And these guys you think are running your country, oh, come on, get a life. But Paul Martin tried to explain, he says, well, you know, your borrowing is good for, for a country. But he couldn't tell you why it was good for a country. He didn't know. That's why they pick guys like that and make them prime ministers. I'm not talking about the public, I'm talking about the guys that put them in it from the top. That's the world, I'm telling you. But now, tonight too, I'm going to put up a couple of articles on exchanges. That's, the, that's different exchanges for finances versus clearing houses. Massive differences, and folk have no idea uh, of the different rules that apply to, to the different organi- or, or systems that, that run all your all money systems in your country. It's quite fascinating because all your pensions are, are up in this big, big world casino and often going through uh, basically organizations that deal with junk bonds and everything else. Uh, this is your like your whole future, your your pensions, everything, your savings, you name it. Because remember too, they put the bail-in policies in place, and the bail-in policies that all countries have in place now can can just loot the banks off your savings, because under the laws that they put in, and always have been in, by the way, the particular laws, they must look after their investors. If you're a depositor, you're not an investor. You take so much for granted, and that's how they get away with things at the top. They know you take so much for granted, you never look into anything. Or you'll think, well, they, they wouldn't do that uh, because it wouldn't be nice to do to us, just plunder us. Really? It's the same attitude where you, you buy all these candies that are full of chemical byproducts. They can't dump waste products from the chemical industry and artificial flavors that kill you. And folk will still say, well, it's, it's approved by the authorities, you know, to take the stuff, the, 
the FDA do you approve this and really look where the FDA are all taken from the big corporations that's where they come in from then they go back into the same big corporations you take it for granted that there's some kind of Santa Claus at the top or parental figure just taking care of you all the time when it comes to money and massive profit greed rules and with greed there is no conscience whatsoever none never has been now, from the Scottish government, it has named person. This is from, their, I think, their, their website. It says, when's it going to happen? Schools have guidance teachers in place, and some schools in Scotland have already introduced the idea of a named person for every child and young person. Remember, everything you, you read from government, it goes through public relations departments, where they're trained on perception management to soften the realities of what they're pushing upon you, you see. And it says, over the next couple of years, every school will need to make sure that children, see, see, we'll need to make sure that children, we'll need to make sure, that, that takes the place of, of the other term they'll often use is, will be required to. Because it, what it all means is ordered to. By law, ordered to, you see. And that's, that was a negative thing. You don't like, oh, I don't want to get ordered. And that's exactly what it is, though. Anyway, they'll need to make sure that children, young people, families, and teachers understand about well-being. What's well-being? And their role in getting it right for every child. Getting it right for every child, you see. That's Gerfeck. Of course, most families give their children all the love and support they need. Oh, that's just soften the blow. But sometimes things can't be easily sorted out. And that's where the named person comes in. Government agent, you see. It should be someone who can help you. It's all to help you, you see. Make sure you have the right indoctrination. And your family, if needs be. So interference in the family unit. To get any help and support, you might need to get back on track with your life. On track with your life? Were you a trainer or something? It should mean there is one person who coordinates any extra support if it's needed now. Coordinates, that means between what? The family, you, the family, uh, different authorities, social work departments, uh, pharmaceutical agencies, because drugging is part of it too in some cases. And it says they might suggest other people, uh, to other people, you and your your family could talk to. They might suggest, you know, no, they won't be ordering you. No, no, they'll be suggesting to you. Guess what happens if you don't take their suggestions seriously? You'd be ordered to. Most likely you won't notice anything different at school. It's true enough with indoctrinations you're getting today on political correctness. You'll only get help from your named person if there's any concerns about your well-being. What they mean, folks, and I've read other articles about it, is if you have personal opinions that are politically incorrect, Opinions you've arrived at by your own experiences and conclusions of, from observations. So you'll be tweaked all through your life here. You might speak to them yourself, or maybe your parents or family would be involved. Sometimes the named person might notice something's up and ask you if everything's okay. This is if someone else, like a youth worker, was worried about you, they could suggest that you speak to your named person as well. That way, there's always one person who knows what's going on and can keep an eye on things. And it says, in our academy, the named person is mainly your guidance teacher. If parents or the pupil goes to the deputy head or another member of senior management with a big ongoing problem, then that member of staff would then be the named person. Then they give you, I don't know if they're real or fake, uh, stories of Emily who needed help, etc. Things like that. Probably all fake names. They make these things up. And it says, here are some things we think a named person should be and do. The, the, the government agent. Make sure I'm doing okay. Now, what's, who's, who's saying what's okay and what isn't the named person? Sort out fights. What do you mean sort out fights? You get punished now for, if you fight back. Get to know you. What does that mean? The new father confessor figure by the state. They're the state as God. Understand you. Really? Understand you. You're still finding out yourself about yourself when you're really small. Be a friend instead of a teacher. Also, now the, the government agency, the Stasi, is your friend. 
Make time for you. What does that mean? Put you in prison? I don't know. If you look worried, they should talk to you. So you can't be worried about anything, especially all the things that don't make sense with your indoctrinations. And it says, look like they're listening. So they must have pretend they're listening to you, but really looking for all the things they could tweak you. Oh, I don't need his opinion on that. Oh, better tweak him. Only talk to you if you want them to. They've just said that if anybody else notices anything about you, they'll get to the person and they'll approach you. Then they'll talk to your parents. Do anything and everything to help. Define help for your head. Define it. Be sensitive about what information they share. They've got departments that's going to share all your educational scores, uh, all the stuff you do in the classroom, personality, social work departments, medications, all that stuff, and then one thing that'll follow your whole life long, by the way. It won't stop when you're 18. And it says respect your feelings, make time to see when you have a problem, don't treat us differently after we tell you about a problem, guide you. Authorised guidance. In other words, make sure you go the, the right routes that the, the state wants you to have. Be obedient and all the rest of it. Give you stress balls. What stress balls? Is that farmer or something? Stress balls? What kind of nonsense is this? And it says they definitely shouldn't have favourites. That was human nature. They always have favourites. Because counsellors notice them have favourites who are very like themselves. It's human nature. They won't talk down to you, oh really? They won't judge you, that's all they're going to be doing. They won't jump to conclusions. The conclusion is what they're trained to do. He doesn't agree with this, therefore I'll make a company conclusion he doesn't agree with this. But they tweak him. And diss your skirt, what does diss your skirt mean? This, these folk are going to help you by dissing your skirt. What, what's, what's this rubbish? Uh, they won't make you cry. And they won't interrogate you. That's exactly what they will do. They won't blame you. No, they'll suggest that it's your fault and make things worse. So this is the rubbish of indoctrination. Every tyrant in the whole 20th century into this one wanted to get done from the Soviet system and the early Nazi system. And here it is authorized by the state. Where's it come from? The United Nations, folks. And I'll put up a, a PDF about this as well. And it's called, oh, it's so wonderful, by marketers again. It says, State of Children's Rights in Scotland, together, together, brought together, you see. And it's from the Scottish Alliance for Children's Rights. It says, together, formerly known as the Scottish Alliance for Children's Rights, seeks the implementation of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. In Scotland, with over 260 members throughout Scotland, our, our aims are to ensure members are involved, consulted and influence our work to progress children's rights. Indoctrinations, it means. Progress the implement Again, here's, your, here's your, your softening of words. Progress the implementation. Progress the implementation of children's rights at a local and national level through the provision of support and expertise. Provide robust monitoring of UNCRC implementation in Scotland. Be recognised by our membership and decision makers as the informed voice that advocates for children's rights in Scotland. It's all doublespeak because it really strips all the rights away from the parents. That's what the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child were all about. Then it gives you a dictionary, a glossary of terms, because I love these little ASBOs and its social behaviour, ASN additional support needs, CAMS, CMHS, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. See, if you don't have the right viewpoints and things, they'll make sure you get mental health service, etc., etc., etc. And um, there's all the gender stuff in here too, naturally, etc., 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 so if you're not screwed up the time you, 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 the starts on you, you certainly will be at the end of all. And uh, you'll be a, a composite of what exactly the state wants you to be. But I'll put this link up tonight, the PDF, on it as well. But uh, this is happening, but they're not calling it, oh, totalitarianism. Or interference by the all-powerful, almighty state. Oh, no, no. It's the rights of the child, you know. 
software. They would have the same system in every, every country coming in under different names. That's another United Nations trick now because when Agenda 21 came in, the agenda for the 21st century and sustainability, the United Nations eventually advised all their members to start using different terms. It's just suggested different terms. Anything with sustainability is part of the Agenda 21 and now. Because there was too many folk catching on what it was about. Same with this one. So in Scotland, it's called Gerfeck and so on. And this is the, the cons, the cons that they, they use. Now, here's another article too on the named person, the state-appointed person, you see. And it goes on about Gerfeck again, etc., with the, with the, the perception management version of it, all cozy and nice. And it says, the getting the right approach includes uh, making a named person available for every child from birth until their 18th birthday or beyond if they're still in school. In most cases, the named person will not have to do anything more than they normally do in the course of their day-to-day work. The major differences will be that they use the national practice model as a starting point when they have particular concerns about a child or young person. So, by the way, they can go, they're going to start testing them in, in, after a few months old. No kidding you. Constantly, constant psychological evaluations before you can even speak to make sure you're PC when you can speak. Since most children and young people get all the help, support, need, blah, blah, and it goes into the usual same kind of stuff I already mentioned. But it talks about the eight well-being indicators they will need to ask these five questions. What's getting in the way of this child or young person's well-being? Define well-being to me, folks. State-authorized PC stuff. And it says, do I have all the information I need to help this child or young person? What can I do now to help this child or young person? What can my, my agency do to help this child or young person? What additional help, if any, may be needed from others, it says here. He goes on to say the named person also needs to help children and families feel confident they can raise concerns and talk about their worries to people who will listen and respect their point of view. No, really? They respect your point of view? When their whole job is to correct your point of view. So above all, they will ensure that the child or young person's views are listed to, listened to and that the family, where appropriate, is kept informed. So they're not going to tell the family everything they're up to with the child. you got to look at the wording of all this stuff. But that, that, that's, the, that's the future. That's no life at all, folks. There's no life at all. You can't develop as an individual when you have all this monitoring by the almighty, all-powerful state. You can't get it. You simply can't get it. And uh, so it took them a long time in the Fabian style to do it, the stuff that the, the early communists implemented right away in the Soviet system. And it took them a long time. That was what the Fabians were going to do, you see. Now, it doesn't mean that they're working-class Fabians here. Oh, no, no, no. The whole Fabian society is a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs where they'd use the masses to work for an agenda which the masses would understand, all thinking it was for their own benefit. The elite run everything. Everything, folks. But as I say, I'll put, uh, I'll put this up tonight because as I say, even if you don't, they don't call it your fake in your country, you've all, all your countries have signed the rights to the child. And this is only one big part of the rights to the child. And it's nothing to do with the children to have rights. It's about the, the state's rights to come in and intervene and shape the, the mentality, the personality and everything of that child to suit the state. Very dangerous. Uh, but of course, most of it won't care today because the marketing and the public relations organizations with their, with their beautiful terminology overcomes reality for most people. And again, too, while they never do anything nasty to us, uh, that's how folk have been trained already. Perfect indoctrination works perfectly well for most folk, unfortunately. And it's very sad that, isn't it? Awfully sad that. But as I say, that, that's the system, that's, that's what's happening. And um, <laughs> in Wales too, I'll put another one up for Wales. 
And um, it's quite interesting. It's, it's about a refugee action plan update, it's called. It says, the Welsh government, that's this part of Britain, UK, uh, government welcomes refugees and asylum seekers to Wales and is fully committed to ensuring that they're treated with dignity and respect upon their arrival. We want refugees to become full and active members of a society, making a full contribution to Welsh life and culture. Foreigners aren't going to come in because their culture and their history is not that of Wales, folks. You understand there's a big plan. It's been going for a long, long time to destroy all the cultures of Europe. And that's just a fact. So that the global elitists can manage the world better for themselves, not for all of you. I say at the bottom, you've got nothing but bust omelets and burnt omelets and ruined omelets. Is you can't make a, an omelet without breaking eggs. So all the crisis you're going through in the crime and everything else and the massive welfare business and so on, it's just making omelets, you know, on the road to making the omelets. So this is the world you're in today, the scientifically managed society, as they say, and it's utter chaos. Utter chaos. Because so, there's only one thing they can do eventually, and that's drug you all, or eventually create you all in vitro, basically, and tweak all the genes to make sure you're just like a brave new world. Aldous Huxley's brave new world. All manufactured to serve the state for the greater good and all that nonsense. Not kidding about that. That's how it really, really, really is. Awfully sad. Awfully, awfully sad. And another article too is called the Welsh Refugee Inclusion Strategy Action Plan for Wales as well. And you can look that up for yourselves if you're interested at all. The U.S. has got it too with the the completely open border policy for Mexico and all Latin America, by the way, because under the NAFTA agreement, Canada, the states, and Mexico were to be the beginning of them all to come in, including the Caribbean countries, too many of them. And the free movement of goods and labor, but only also means all immigration today. Yep, the old system, as I said, to bring in the new, you must destroy all the old. And that's everything you perceived about history, a people, your country, and everything else. Total destruction to make a new one, you know, a new omelette. There you go. And meanwhile, everyone's quibbling down the bottom about, oh, they can't do this, oh, and they can't. Hey, they are doing it. They've been doing it all along, folks. They've always got what they wanted. Because folk get caught up in in all the little caveats that are there to distract you. And they still are caught up in thinking they've got all this guaranteed right. Look, the folk who are ruling you belong to a system. They're picked by a system, and it's not the public system. Hasn't been there for an awful, awful long time. And it's perfected today. Because people still, with the flags waving, is still like, really, is it? Everybody can wave a flag, folks. Your country can be turned 180 degrees from everything that went before. And still conning you, believing it's just the same. Hmm. So that's really how the world works. It's run by sciences. And the sciences worked out by the by the big think tanks that work on behalf of the elite who own them all. And they have, they have think tanks working on every possible change that they want to implement in society, how to do it step by step by step. That's the truth of it. You have a duty to yourself to claim your brain. It's yours. No matter what you're told and you're brainwashed to believe over and over and again, it's your mind. It's your mind. It's your personal experience that come to conclusions for you, help you get, get to arrive at those conclusions, your experiences. And it's up to you to, to hold on to them. If that's your experiences, hold on to them. Whether it's right or wrong or anything else that you're told by the state. Fact is fact. And no matter how much the psychology and warped and reverse psychology and everything else they put on top of you. Facts are always facts, regardless of what they tell you. Oh, I know you, you think you're looking at that and seeing this, but you're not really. Perception management. Perception management. 
you can be made to be insane. And as long as everyone around you has been made to be insane too, you'll think you are sane along with them. Very simple, isn't it? Very, very simple. Reclaim your mind, it's yours. It's the only divine right that you have, really, in this world. It's all you have left. There's nothing else you can work on. It's supposed to be unique. So reclaim it. You are unique. From Hamish Musyash from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>